You guys ready to play podcast? <laughs> let's, let's play podcast. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Shut up and sit down. Sharon thought I'd give you a ring It crossed my mind so now I'm wondering If you're not settled in You might like to meddle in Some adrenaline pumping pedaling Oh dolls, I thought you'd never ask I'd love to get my hand behind some handlebars You are listening to another episode of The Dialed Podcast With Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing The guys blabber on about themselves Talk to someone else about some stuff and finished by blabbering just a little more. There you go. The show in a nutshell. Tip of the day. Talk does not cook rice. So quit yapping and get to it already. You can watch me. Whoosh back on my push back. My tush hot and my thighs. Bumping away. Seems like a sweet deal. It's a three wheel. Get a steel steel to show from your camera. On my bicycle. I was icicle. But now I'm cruising with the grace of a manta ray. On the whole game from my own lane. Hey, Lorraine, I'm the chain. I'm just saying, sometimes you get a knock on the head, you get right. special powers. It happens all the time. Read a comic book, okay? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Friggin' Hepler. Lance Friggin' Hepler. Welcome. For your listening pleasure. For your listening pleasure. Yeah, or displeasure pleasure is more like Could it. Be. Could be. listening displeasure. Today's <laughs> <laughs> left, Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look fantastic today. Fan frickin' Speak for yourself, Fantastic. Matt. You look good. Thank you. I try. <laughs> and we've got a special guest with us today, Sarah Gates. Hey, thanks for having me. Sarah, you've been on the podcast before. I have. I mean, we talked about Cycle Oregon a couple of years ago. It's been a minute. So welcome back. Thank you. Sarah's going to be a, a big part of um, the conversation that we're going to have a little bit later on today. So I'm really kind of chomping at the bit. I haven't had a chance to talk to her since this, but uh, we can do that today. Sarah, nice. you, were, you were pretty involved with Cycle Oregon. It, it, but that's no more. Is that correct? No, not at all. Okay. Um, so I'm uh, the vice chair of the board for okay. the C4 portion of Cycle Oregon. And I'm going to make that distinction because we have some really cool things going on. We had our last Cycle Oregon Classic, which was our seven-day ride this year. We ha- And we're sunsetting that ride. But we're doing four rides next year. We're not going away. Just okay. that event ah. is going away because it, it's just no longer sustainable to do a seven-day ride that moves mm-hmm. six times. Yes, yeah. Just uh, and at the scale we like to do that ride, but I made a point about the C four on purpose. We are starting a C three, which will be the Cycle Oregon Foundation, and we're going to be expanding what we do. To, we're taking over the Scenic Byways program. Ah. We're taking over Jumpstart, which is also known as Safe Route to Schools, and we're also going to be really trying to expand the welcomeability of cycling across Oregon getting more people on bikes, doing all sorts of things to really just expand the economic impact of cycling gotcha. in Oregon. Wow. Yeah, that makes a big difference because I because I was under the impression that Cycle Oregon was just going away, and it's just the seven-day classic. Yes. There's still the three-day gravel. There's still mm-hmm. four-day events. There's yep. still other events that are happening. Okay, yeah, so this we, makes more we're going to have four events next year, and we'll be releasing the Save the Dates, but um, we did talk about it at the Classic. We're going to be having our gravel ride. We're going to be doing the Weekender, which is the most sort of family-oriented ride. Yeah, yeah. We are still going to have the Women's Ride, and then we'll have a new five-day event in um, you know in that summer time frame gotcha. that will be 
moving a couple of times and, and having a variety of options, but we are still kind of fine tuning that. And so stay tuned for lots of details. Cool. It's going to be great. And so I think, it, and they're going to be a little smaller too. We're trying to really focus the experience. Yes. C3, C4, is that like cycle, like three days, cycle four days kind of thing? Is that what that stands for? <laughs> no. So C3 and C4 have to do with the tax designation. So a, three, oh. three, a C3 is a charitable foundation. 501C3? Yes. Gotcha. And gotcha. that means people- We've you know, got it, one of those? You we do. Those, yeah. And it means that donations are tax deductible and it, it kind of changes the rules. Whereas being a C4 is really oriented with the event space. And we're still not for profit, but we're not, you can't donate and deduct it on your taxes. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, wasn't even expecting to talk about that, but that's some really good information. I, that was, I was interested in that. Sorry, I just jumped right in. <laughs> well, I appreciate you yeah. asking because actually that's really important for people to know. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, it's it's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Cool. cool. Backpedal, boys? Backpedal. Who wants to go first? Matt? I can be quick. Be quick. I have been running a lot. That's about it. Running every day, hitting the trail every day, Heritage Trail. Yeah. Triathlon shirt. Lance has a triathlon shirt. I have been swimming, swimming, swimming as well, but just not biking all that much. Um, cross country's in full swing. We just had districts last night, and it went okay for our team. Cool. Yeah, girls won. Guys got second. How'd the run go? Uh, oh. Pretty good. I finished. That's great. Oh, I love the office. Great? It's office you reference. Accomplished something. What was your mile time? About seven. <laughs> I could beat that on a skateboard. Well, that has wheels. Yeah, well, my feet don't, and I can still crush that time. Matt is crushing with his cross country team. Crushing, love it. Yep, cross country team's doing okay. Cool, right on. Trails are good. Awesome. Back pedal. Done. Lance, yo, did what? you race any? I did not race. What? Okay. How about that? You're, you're dead to us. Then. I know. Sorry, Matt, I've I've not. You got that rectal thermometer? He needs to just temperature taken. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> temperature taken. Something's wrong with this guy. I didn't race. I, you know, I, I was in St. George, Utah, and um, there was a race on Saturday that I could have done, but I, I ended up with a buddy that showed up in St. George, and he's like, "Hey, come ride with us," and I couldn't pass it up. I skipped the race, and I, I rode Gooseberry Mesa, which is a very world famous mountain bike route just outside of St. George. And so um, it's very technical, it's very fun, it's very scenic. It is one of the greatest routes around for mountain bikes, but I, I had a riot in St. George. All I did was I rode mountain bikes, I rode my gravel bike, I rode road bikes. I went on this really cool hike with, uh, with my wife and all her soccer friends that were down there, so. Mountain bike, gravel, road. Yes. No, you had to have your cyclocross bike because you were thinking you were going to race. I did race once while I was there, but that was. Did you have last two cyclocross week. bikes? I just took one. Okay, that's risky. So I had four <laughs> bikes. Risky. Oh, risky only bringing you four know bikes. He threw his gravel bike in the pit. Well, no, there, yeah, was no pit, there was no so pit. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. a okay. little race with no pit, so it's like, oh, uh, you just you just okay. risk it. So you suffered through with only four bikes. You just kind of go with it. But my the the riding in St. George this weekend was phenomenal. Good it weather. Was, the weather was perfect. Good. It was like 70 degrees every day. Uh, the riding buddies were great. I don't know. The trails were in great condition. I had a absolute blast. I do not regret missing the race in Utah at all. It's it's all good. There was um, uh, there was a race trophy cup race back here that I was trying to get back for on Tuesday night, and my wife and I kind of like hit the road hard to make it back in time, and I actually made it home in time. But I was so exhausted from driving for so long that I'm like, no. how many hours was the drive? Well, it's like a 15 hour drive from St. George. Ooh. So we did 
We did like four hours the first day and had dinner with my kids and hung out with them. And actually, today's my son's birthday. Now that I Ooh, think happy about birthday, it. Lake! It's it's Lake Hepler's twenty eighth birthday. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Happy birthday! Wow, I think he's twenty eight. How do you have a twenty eight year old? I know that's a little weird. I'm a little, yeah, <laughs> we started having kids at seven. I was twenty six. Twenty six. I was twenty six when Lake was born. Oof. Yeah. So yeah. I have a 29-year-old. So. Yes, there you yeah. go. So, uh, yeah, so we stopped there and then hung out for a bit. And so we broke up the drive a little bit. But, um, yeah, I meant to make it to the last Trophy Cup, and I was just too wiped out. So I didn't. Anyway. Last Trophy Cup race of the season. Yes. You missed it. I missed it. Hmm. Yeah. But it's all good. So. All right. I don't know. My the I, it, I had like a, a full-on off-road training camp all by myself in St. George for the whole week. It was phenomenal. I rode way too hard every day. I had no plan. It was just like, oh, this trail is cool. Let's see how fast I can go on it. And so I would ride these trails really hard with these buddies of mine, and they're like on my wheel. I I can't talk enough about it. We did. Yeah, I need to shut up. That means means you're an asshole. Yeah. Dutch. (laughs) So... We did Wire okay. Mesa, and I rode the Kolob Terrace Road up, um, outside of Zion National Park, yeah. which is... Oh, I saw you did a hike in Zion also. We did a hike just outside of Zion, a Via Ferrata hike. Do you know what that is? Uh, I assume that it means that you had to climb ladders and stuff. Via Ferrata is a is an Italian term for the Italian Alps where you make... Where, Does it where mean like you Italian in. for you're effed? <laughs> you're Italian for hold on for dear life. Yeah. So they put they put like rebar steps into the stone yeah. vertical cliffs, and you have to hook in with a harness and and wire. And so the the ruts are set, and you just have to like move along. So we were like on the edge of a you know five hundred foot cliff, you know cliff outside of Zion, and that, that does not sound good to me. Dude, it was it was really cool. I had a great time. Go look at the pictures on on my Strava. The gram, you won't be disappointed. Or on Instagram, I guess I put it all over that too. So, I'll shut up now. That's it. <laughs> had a great time. Sarah, how was this last week for you? It was basically, I'm preparing for another adventure here in a couple of weeks. So it was all hills or all high cadence work. And probably the the one thing that I'll just talk about is I went up and I rode Lone Butte, which is the OMTM route that is. Um, sort of east of Cougar and gets you up on the Lewis River. You go up above it. And it was actually riding, it was just like so superbly. It's one of my favorite gravel rides. It takes two hours to get there to start the ride in the car. Yeah. And um, managed to find a couple of new, beautiful Forest Service roads, 8851 and 88, to kind of expand the route. It was, awesome. I saw nobody. The gravel was just luxury Cadillac gravel. And nobody else out there. No, wow. I, I saw two, I saw like, two people pretending to hunt on a recumbent bike, which was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And, you know, a couple of pickup trucks and and then no one was on the Lewis River either. And I got myself down on the Lewis River Trail, which I was horribly underbiked because I was on slicks and and that trail is not for slicks or a gravel bike riding slicks. But it was, I hike a biked it and it was just stunning. So cannot cannot recommend that ride enough between now and when the snow comes. You should, if you love. Lone Butte. Lone Butte. And it's, it was about 55 miles the way I did it. And it, you can, there's many, if you go to their website, omtm.cc, they have like the list of options. It's, mm. if you've never ridden it, 
cannot recommend it enough this time of year. Gotcha. Sarah's one of three friends of mine that is just a walking Rolodex of glorious yes. ride after glorious ride. She knows way too much about gravel stuff in, in a good way. <laughs> and I, I'm second only to Jerry in my knowledge of the gift. Well, actually, you know what? I would uh, Then I would have to put four on there. Um, you know, Edward Douglas, yeah. who's been on the podcast before, seems to know all of the different rides and another teammate of ours, Chris Hull. Yeah. Like between the three, four of you, you guys could create like, well, you guys are like all that in a bag so of make, chips and more than OMTM. So yeah, I you could write a yeah. book. <laughs> like, well, I'm trying to fill in like my, the, if you look at the Gifford on Strava, my heat map, my goal in the next couple of years to have like every paint the whole thing red. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like another good friend of our Scott Westfall who loves riding around campus. Oh he will do every single road and yep. it looks like one of those, um, you know, when they pour like the metal down the ant hole and you see like the whole forest <laughs> yes. of yeah. like ant everything that's Scott with Strava. He'll hit every single road. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The, so. the Gifford is one of those magical places. And yeah. when you get up there, you're just happy. And it's one of those things where like on a, a day like today, it's beautiful out. You can see how many mountains? It depends where you are, but you can see usually you've got uh, Helens, you've got Adams, you've got Rainier. You can sometimes see Hood. Uh -huh. um, you could maybe even see Jeff potentially if you were in the right spot. And what was so one of the most fun things about sort of that middle section of the Gifford that is west of Mount Adams is you will come around the corner and you will have Mount Adams just whacking you in the face. It's wow. so big. It takes up the whole sky. And yeah. we, I had one of those, I didn't, couldn't really see any mountains and all of a sudden it was like, well, hello, Mr. Adams, it's right fresh, there. <laughs> freshly white. And it was just for you know two seconds. But wow. when that happens, it just, it's like, it's just hitting you across the face and it's the most magical thing. Yeah. That's one of the falls on the Lewis river. Wow. There's a beautiful waterfall she took a picture of. It's hey. on her and well, and the well. Lewis River has three. In it, there's upper, middle, and lower. And uh. and lower is the easiest to get to. And and upper and middle you can you can get to on the bike. It just requires a little more um, skill and <laughs> having tires with actual knobs on them. But um, it, if it, just even if you like to hike, that is a trail that is insane. Wow, Matt. You and I need to go do a gravel ride okay. with cameras. Yes. You know how people do, do like the barn tour and they'll go take pictures yeah. of all the barns? Let's go take pictures of mountains. Okay. Let's do it. Or waterfalls. I mean, those waterfalls look hey, amazing. Hey, don't go chasing waterfalls, man. Okay. That's true. I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> stick to the rivers and lakes like you used, used to. to. Yeah. 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 Well played. Well played. <laughs> I will. Anyway, that's enough about me. Cool. Jake, backpedal. Um, I had an MRI result reading to me. Okay. And drum roll, please. Inconclusive. Uh, Son of oh, a man. Are you really? kidding me? In freaking conclusive. So I'm glad you spent that 45 minutes sitting in a tube. <sighs> and like basically another like month of like listening to everybody's orders. Like take all the time off. And da, da, da. Well, anyway, you can look at it two different ways. There's good news out of that and there's bad news out of that. So all along, he said, you likely have a labral tear in your hip. And that's what that pinging is. And he was expecting to fully see a labral tear yeah. in my hip. And um, he said that he could not discern in the radio radiologist or the tech, wherever it is that reads those, uh, said the same thing, that there is no labral tear, which is good kind yeah. of because they don't have to go surgically repair anything. But the bad side is, is that, all right, well, if it's not that, then what the hell is it? And if I, you and in, in Evan have the same injury that needs surgical repair, can you guys get like a discount, like a two for one? Maybe. Maybe. Like <laughs> but what's up with Evan? Does anybody know? He like he's recovering. He I but think, he's like back on the bike and back running. He just started back running. I think okay. from what I've heard through the grapevine. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I won't hijack. I, your... I think I saw something. He rode like three hundred miles last week. Yeah. So, so yeah, he okay. rode a lot. Must be feeling all right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyhow, the 
there were some things that he was able to tell me, and, and I've known this since I broke my hip when I was, you know, well, 10 years ago, and, that I have a, what's called a dysplastic hip. So you, if you think about your acetabulum. plastic, Yeah, just think of like hip dysplasia. It's kind of the same, same I, thing. I'm just going to assume that there's plastic in there somewhere. <laughs> it's like, should be, it should be titanium. But no, there's... no, I've only got titanium in the whole hip. But basically, <laughs> like if you think of your hip as a ball inside, yeah. it's all rolls around and all that stuff. So acetabulum is where the ball goes into. And it's a little bit, we'll say underdeveloped. So it's a little bit more open. Okay. So it's a little bit more susceptible to things like you know, yeah, dislocating popping out, yeah. or popping out. But for me, I've always been super tight in my hips and I've always had really good strength there. And that has always been something that has played to my favor. He did go on to say, you know, like some of these injuries that you've had with respect to like the muscle strain and the terror and the, um, the, the cramping and all that other stuff might've made it overly tightened and it might cause something to be pinched in there. And that's kind of what I'm feeling. But he did tell me, he's like, you don't want to work too much on flexibility because if it, if it becomes too lax, oh. you're going to get into a situation where your it's hips lucky. not going to be exactly. And we don't uh. want to be dealing with that. That would suck. And he did recommend or not recommend, well, kind of recommended that I maybe seek out another hip specialist who can... Take a further look at it, and what they would do is like surgery where they, I can't remember what the, the, the surgical procedure is called, but basically they will it's break. It's called peg leg, peg kind leg of, syndrome. They, they, they cut <laughs> pirate syndrome. They cut kind of your, your, your pelvis, and they, they pull it apart, and they screw it in differently, and they make the acetabulum more <sighs> surrounding the hip. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to do that because I've lived my whole life, and I've been fine. Let's just come up with a remedy for there's what the, we've got going on I think on there's here. like there's that Blade Runner guy, and he ah. is in jail for like killing his wife or something. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Yeah. Girlfriend. yeah. And he doesn't need his leg right now. Yeah, maybe he's in jail. You can his legs. There you go. I think we can make something yeah. worse here. So I've, I do have a plan, and I know that I'm still dealing. And he did see scar tissue, and we've yeah. got adhesions that we're dealing with, and I've got all kinds of other issues. And it, it, it still sucks. But I've got a plan that I'm going to try. I'm, I try and right. Is it is it rehab? I mean, is the plan like PT? It's going to be kinda... some PT kind of stuff, but it's more like I know what I need to do, and it's okay. just going to be I got to get back into the gym. I've got to work on like some core strengthening. I got to work on some hip stuff. I got to work on some stability things. I do need to get a little bit of flexibility back because I am dealing with a little bit of tightness. Um, and what gym are you going to go to? I am looking at two different ones right now, and okay. I've checked out one of them, and I need to go to the one that's closer to my house, but I'm not too keen on that because we're going to get swole. Maybe. Okay. Well, I walk into those things and I just get swole. So anyway, I got, I've got a plan. We're going to do that. And I asked him, I'm like, Hey, what about riding? He's like, well, I don't see any reason why you can't, you know, start slowly like progressing back into riding. So okay. I've ridden twice this week on the trainer, which okay. was That's good. That's a good. suck fest. Got <laughs> your back on it. I'm riding at like 150 Watts and I, my leg feels like Welcome to my world. a cramp. I've got this pinching feeling in my hip. I'm like, I am a 90 year old man. Living in a body that's, you know, just completely breaking down. So anyway, I'll get back there. 90-year-old man living in a body that's easily 125. (laughs) (laughs) If not even older. So, But uh, I'm going to start getting back out, and I want to try and get on the the bike this weekend and maybe ride outside if if weather permits. I haven't ridden a bike outside in months, which is just killing me. And and it's decent weather right now, which is crazy. Let's go in two hours, you and me. I wish I could. I wish I could. I got to go to a football game for my son. So oh, don't miss that. Things. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Sarah's sitting here looking at all of us. She's like, uh, who is he? He's an uh, asshole, sir. You know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship? What is this from? What is no! knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Anybody? That's about right, that? sir, isn't it? What's is that? It, is it from like Spaceballs or something? Matt is on it. Spaceballs. That was a Spaceballs. Gasp. I, I don't like, Really? It didn't like click like I didn't remember it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Rick yeah. Marin, yeah. So, so cool. All right, sorry. 
had to drop that. <laughs> All right. Um, do you guys want to uh, jump into some of that? Uh, oh, news. Do we need newsy we stuff, or do you guys is, is Champ in the house? I don't know if Champ is around. I think Champ is here. Champ Alley in sports. Champ is here. Champ here. <laughs> yes, Champ is here. Smash your face into a car windshield. It's a new one. And then Whoa, take your different. mother, Dorothy Mantooth, out for a nice seafood dinner and never no. call her again. Champ Alley. <laughs> Wow, did you mix that? What That's up? pretty impressive. Champ is here. <laughs> uh, yes, the road season is now done with uh, UCI, which is great. Guess which team actually won the team competition? Just take a guess. Yumbo. No. UAE? UAE ended up taking the team championship, wow. which is kind of interesting. Anyway. Um, How did they pull that uh, off? Pogaccia just won so many one-day races. Uh, and there is that, yeah. They, they did well enough in the in all the great tours and, and yeah, all yeah. the stuff. Yeah, they makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. So anyway, um, but the uh, the biggest race from this weekend was the first UCI World Cup cyclocross race. So and it was the only cyclocross race. The UCI cyclocross race is going to be held in the United States this year. So it was Trek Cup in Wisconsin oh, yeah. at Waterloo. Um, Kind of crazy race. Uh, it was won by 20-year-old Thibaut Nice, who is the son of Sven Nice. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, so Sven Nice, I don't know, what was he, like seven-time, you know, cyclocross world champion, world champion yep. or something like that? Champion of Hetmere? <laughs> he just no, quit, that right? that was Lars Van der Haar. Oh, I always I get that like, backwards. I feel Dang like it. he just quit. <laughs> Being competitive, like maybe five years ago. Yeah, he's still seven years ago. He's not still got like that like, long ago that he's he's the coach of the team that like four of the sense. top guys won, and his twenty year old son won won this race. So wow, yeah, man. pretty crazy. So that was exciting. And, okay, but real quick, who was there that was notable? Uh, Ellie Easterbit, uh, Michael Van Tarnow, all, all the major the hitters min- guys minus the. Minus minus Lawrence Sweek, who won the championship, not the championship, who won the series last year. He uh-huh. hurt himself. And Vanderpool and Van Art are they'll, they'll be here later. They're cherry picking a few yeah. races. They're yeah. not same doing as the they did last season. year. Yeah, you guys remember just, that. So big seven now. Oh, can we kick out Remco? <laughs> we can kick Remco. out Remco. Right. So he's done with that. Um, the women's race there was won by. Um, Fem Van Eppel? Yeah, I think Fem Van Eppel and Puck Peterisi was second. Clara Hansinger went yes. over and lined up, first UCI race. Um, she started like on the second or third row, got her usual terrible start, and clawed her way back to seventh. Nice wow. work. Good job, Clara. So, yeah, so she actually did pretty well for, so you know, a that UCI her, race. That'll help her starting position going yes, forward. It will. It'll almost get her on the front row. Yeah. So, which wow. is which is good. But the races all go back to Europe now starting next week. There's no race this week. I imagine she's gone for the season. Yes. She's heading that way. Okay. Now, I know Team S&M has some decent sponsors, and I'm sure that they've been trying to stockpile some funds to, to underwrite the cost of sending Clara over to do all of these races. Do they have any, like, are they reaching out to the community? or They have not reached out to the community. No, like, GoFundMe, nothing no. like that? Uh-uh. Interesting. As far as I know, they have not. Yeah. Does I'd... she get any money from, like, just USA Cycling? No idea. Uh, yeah, there's got to be. I need her, we need to come on the podcast. non-answers yeah. for mm. that. We should look into that. I, I think that that's something that they should do because, I mean, she's America's sweetheart. She's our local sweetheart here. Yeah. We would love to see her be supported and go over there and, and do everything that she needs to do and not have to worry about the, the funding part of it. Yeah, that's what they hope. They, they can only do so many races because there's, I mean, you can't go to Europe for, yeah. what is it? 
I mean, the well, you can world if championships. A dollar, a do, Europe won a dollar a day. <laughs> I think I read a, a book. There's a book about it. Something. You Was can it? if you got the funds. <laughs> if so. you've got the funds, you can. But I mean, the world championships aren't till end of January or something like that. And so if she goes now, that's all of November and December and part of January. It's almost three months. So I don't, hmm. it'd be great. Cool. But I don't think she's doing all of those. So. Um, other than that, that was kind of the extent of the UCI stuff. Um, our local race, our first cyclocross crusade race happened at, um, where was it at? at? Heron Lakes, which is at PAR. It was very well attended. Lots of people there. I did not go race because I was in Utah screwing off. Um, but uh, I don't think the, the, the one two race was actually won by Max. Uh, who is it? I'm already screwing it up. Max Ritzau, who hmm. comes from Eugene. Carl Decker was second. Wow. Local okay. grandpa. I call him Grandpa Decker because he's like he's, 49. He's younger than you. He's, young, he's, 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 he's your son, dude. He's three, he's three years younger than me, I think <laughs> Carl Decker is. So that's kind of exciting. And then it was almost a sweep by the rest of the S&M women and the Cat 1-2 women. Sophie Russenberger won and Jenna Lingwood second. But Paula from Beachy Clista was third. So... I can't say her last name, so I'm didn't even, I didn't even try. It's Italian she's a cross country coach. Is she really? Yeah, I think so. She um, she is from Spain. Yep, Paula Escavaria. Oh, have you talked to her about Spain? No, I just know of her. She, okay. I believe, yeah. she talked to a couple Misty on our team. She was chatting, and they were talking yeah. about some of the junior stuff that we had going on. Yeah, I talked to her about cyclocross at every single cross country meet because that's what she likes to talk nice. about. Yeah, she's been racing very well yeah. in cyclocross this year. So. Good honor. Cool. So good for her. Other than that, champ out. That's it. Thanks, champ. Thanks, champ. Anything you need to speak about with respect to maybe like uh, cross oh, country Lucy results? Lucy Charles. No Lucy Bar- Charles Barkley. There was yeah. the world championship. That Kona World Championships this happened. Is a tri- this is a triathlon podcast. I am surprised there was not a takeover. It, does anyone have any triathlon uh, shirts? Or? This is a, this is Why the, are you so sweaty, dude? I don't know. Kona, Kona world, making you nervous over there? Kona World Championships was uh, female specific and... Lucy Charles Barclay led wire to wire, like swim. I mean, she obviously, she's like superstar swimmer. And so if, if she's going to win a race, it's pretty much going to be like from the gun, which is the way that the race went. Um, let's see. Um, the, yeah, the, I mean, there was it was her race and she won by a couple of minutes. She set a new course record. Wow. Was so, that who you would have picked? Did she look that strong going into this? And, I and- I thought about that because I usually do a video where I, I talk about like Kona predictions and sure. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know. I probably would have put like Daniela Reif who's won it a number of times. I don't know how everyone's training has gone. Mm-hmm. I just haven't paid that close attention to it. Um, yeah, you Daniela Reif was fifth. She said, yeah, which course she record. came back from that. And then Elements Annie Hogg was second she's a strong runner yeah. and she, she biked through the field and then ran through the field and ended up in second, so gotcha. that's good. Did the elements have anything to do with her setting a course record, or was she just that strong? I don't know. I do, it didn't. The conditions didn't look bad. Okay. So I'm sure that you have to have decent conditions. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be in your favor somewhat. But I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. We have like not some, windy and not too hot. Yes. Yeah. Is what yeah. you need on that island. All right. right? Yeah. Well, good on her because she's been like she's been second like a bazillion times. Yeah, she's like the Walt Vanard of 23. And. Uh, and I kind of have like, you know, so one of the things that I really respect about her is, is she's been second, but she's also sat in second, got passed and, and moved into third and then which, fought back which to is get, like, that's yeah. like a death sentence usually yeah. in a race like that. And she's fought back to get second. So I have a ton of respect for that 
amount of effort and dedication and just the commitment to go for it, even if it is only second place, which again, she's done probably, I don't know, five times or something or four or five times. She's done, a, she's hit second a lot. Good so. honor. Good. Congratulations. Congrats. Cool. All right. Champ out. Champ out. Triathlon champ. Champ, get out of Lance's chair. Lance, you want to open that up? We're going to do a little Patreon drawing here for another dialed sports water bottle, which is pretty stinking awesome. They've been pretty popular, too. Um, Lance is going to pull a name out of the little jar here. And the winner is Chris Serrett. Chris Serrett. Nice. Hey, there you go, buddy. All right, Chris. Let us know how you would like us to get you your water he bottle, needs my water friend. water bottle. Yeah. He's back at it. <laughs> he right is back, back at, at it. it. Yeah. He'll be at some of the Cross Crusade races, too, hopefully. So. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Good All right. Chris. We do appreciate everybody supporting the show through the Patreon. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon for yourself, you can go to dialpodcast.com, click on the Patreon link, and pick a Patreon that works best for you. Cool. Ice cream sandwiches. Let's be done with all that stuff. <laughs> all right. Now the stuff that we're really wanting to get into and talk about is the topic of uh, Sarah Gates. You did a massive, massive, massive ride. I did. Do you want to tell us what that ride was called? Sure. Um, I did the Great Divide mountain bike trail from, or mountain bike route, from the U.S. portion. It runs technically from Banff to Antelope Wells. And we did it from Rooseville to Antelope Wells. Okay. Rooseville the- is on the Canadian border. It is, yes. So it starts in, what is that? Is Mon- that Montana? It is. Okay. It's, yeah. So it's very northern Montana at that border crossing. You literally, there's pictures of me standing in front of oh, the Welcome cool. to Canada sign. And then um, we basically worked our way through Montana to um, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and finished in Antelope Wells. Give us some numbers. What's the total mileage of the of the trip? Um, we did a little over twenty five hundred miles, and Whoa. we climbed oh, a little over six one hundred and sixty thousand feet of elevation. Holy crap! Yikes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Okay, so this is a route you did with other people. So from when I hear the tour divide or of this route. There's a there's a quote unquote race that happens. Correct. And that goes from Banff all the way to Indian Wells as well. Antelope so Wells. Antelope Wells. Yeah. Pardon me. Not Indian Wells. Where's that? Palm <laughs> Springs. That's Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that goes from Banff very different place. This trust is very me. Different very different. Very different place. <laughs> so there's a race that happens, but there also is. Is this a supported ride or is this completely self-supported? And were you with a group of people? So. The route was created by the Adventure Cycling Association in 1977, and that's who I rode with. They do a tour that is van supported. So rather than a lot of people who tour it carry all their own gear, just like the racers do. We had the luxury, I'll call it, of having our our duffels carried every day in a van and they carried cooking gear for us and food. So we had we just had to carry what we needed on that day. So any food, any water, any gear, all your emergency supplies. And then we would show up at camp. We had to set up our tents and we did all the cooking. You cooked for yourself. You set up your tents. You just didn't haul your stuff. We didn't have to haul all of the stuff. The camping stuff. Yeah. And the cooking stuff and the food, you know, because you think about it, if you're self-supporting, you've got to have several days of food usually because there are long stretches where there's no resupply and water is very, very scarce. So... The way I, and we also had a sweep rider, so no one was left behind. And so I'd never done something of this magnitude. You know, you just talked about, I ride gravel all the time. I go out for one or two days and I'm totally fine. Yeah. 
this is a little different because there are times when you don't have any resupply for four or five days um, and you are up at 12,000 feet of elevation and you have grizzly bears and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of potential issues and it's technical, very technical terrain. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not a really technical gravel rider, a lot of baby head. Let's just leave it baby, baby worse skull than, heads. It, yeah, I would call it worse than baby head. Just to talk about like Boulder River. Um, <laughs> so you needed to know how to. If you didn't know how to ride it, you could get yourself in trouble. Or if you if you had a really bad mechanical. So we had a sweep rider who basically meant everybody got to camp at night, and but we rode at our own pace and we kind of um, buddied up. There were thirteen riders originally. By the time we finished, there were eight. Oh. Um, and because stuff breaks or people break down or they or they just their body gives out. Yeah. yeah, we we had one person leave on day three. He was it was clearly not the ride for him. He I you know he just I don't think had ever really ridden gravel like this or at this this type of riding, and he was just so uncomfortable. He's he just pulled the plug, and that was super smart on his part because he could have gotten really hurt. Rody, he showed up in road pedals. So Rody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and before I keep, I'll, I'll tell the rest of that story. But what was interesting is the ages of the people, because the majority of people were over 65 on this. I was You're one of the youngest. Me. That's fantastic. Well, who else has two and a half months to take true. off? We this had, is true. Yeah, yeah, we had a couple of 45-year-olds, um, two or three in their mid to late 50s, a few in their 60s, and you know, four or five in their 70s, wow. including one who was 77 from Sisters, Oregon. Wow. Huh. And he signed up 10 days before the ride started, which is also just absolutely crazy. <laughs> I can do this. I'm just going to go. What yeah. am I going to do next week? Oh, let's do this. Yeah. That he, looks fun. He made it almost all the way through Colorado before he just, his body gave out and he was just like, he wasn't, he would just, it wasn't fun anymore. And so he made a super smart decision to pull out. But we had a couple people get injured. We had a couple people um, just kind of get done <laughs> and, and pull out. What but, kind of injuries did you see where people just like washed out front <laughs> tires and then they... Good. They go down and they get a little bit beat up, and they yeah, yeah. smart about it. And yeah, we had um, one woman lost it on a descent and dislocated her shoulder really badly yeah, okay. um, going into Helena, and she actually came back at Steamboat. She went home to Hawaii, recuperated, came back, and then the altitude just got her, and mm. her shoulder was not really up for it. She's tough. And for she's her to try 70, that, that's... in her mid seventies. Wow. Gosh. And she I weighed about that. 80 pounds. I think her bike weighed more than her. She was insane. <sighs> Allison was just, and she, you know, tiny little thing, right? You know, and this bike I'm sure weighed more than her. <laughs> um, we had one person get a concussion. He, he fell really badly in New Mexico and another one crashed that same day and kind of just bunged himself up pretty badly. So, you know, but that was all we had. We had no like life threatening injuries, yeah. which was super awesome. Um, so yeah, let's see. Where How about it? you? Did you keep the riverside down the whole time? I had no crashies, no wet, no flatties, no whammies at wow. all. No mechanicals either. Nope. You are a rock star. Wow. Well, I would say who who maintained the bike going into it? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, you know, but that, that that's important. Cycling needs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I, but I think what's really Im 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 part of the reason I had no issues is I had done a ton of research. I knew what we were getting into, and I really thought about my bike carefully. I um, think the, the word "ton" is an understatement. Well, <laughs> a we, metric ton, yeah. yes, okay. But, but, but you know, the Tour Divide and, and the race, and even just the GDMBR, is so well documented. You have it on Bikepacking.com. There's all the race coverage. There's tons of YouTube content on mm -hmm. it. So, 
when you sign up for something like this, it's very easy to know what you're getting into. I was actually very surprised because we did have several people who really, I don't think really recognized what they were getting into. Like that old guy. He's like, what's this, what's this thing you guys are doing? I'm in seven days before he actually knew he was, he's good. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he's actually a a retired forest firefighter. He used to ride in the helicopters. He was the forester that rode in the helicopters to tell them where to dump stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so he was totally, he, he knew what he was getting into, but we had a couple that were like the, the person on the early in the ride who quit another one who was like, is there a pavement option? He really didn't like the gravel. Um, <laughs> it's not his preference. And, and, you know, just some things like that where you're like, okay, <laughs> turn, wow. turn right for pavement. Anybody riding on e-bikes? <laughs> no, it was not, no e-bikes allowed. There was no way to charge okay. them. Gotcha. Uh, but, uh, you know, but that research, I think one reason why I did so well is I chose really smartly on my tires. I re- rode Rennie Hurst, Nobbies, 55 millimeter. Big uh, tires. Big tires. Yeah. Just more comfortable. Speed is not really important. Mm-mm. So I need comfort and flat protection. Correct. Yeah. And tubeless, of course. There tubeless. were There were two people not running tubeless by the end. Only one was running not, <laughs> not running. They just, they had them swap over. Yeah. Um, I ran a full red ship shift cockpit so i had a shock stem and a shock seat post yeah. as well as the kitchen sink handlebars which gave me a lot of variety of hand positions and that shock just enough shock to take the the chatter out yes. of things i yeah. could run it was a steel frame so i didn't worry about something nicks you know. or bumps or no yeah. Yeah. it, it handled and i'm running 650b wheels which gives me a super low center of gravity yeah. and plus for someone my size it's the right scale of bike so i'm just basically bulletproof uh, you know going down hills and all yes. of, and in the handling of it so you know i i chose very wisely and i thought through how i weighted the bike where i put weight on the bike to keep myself as low and stable as possible and i think that that made a huge difference for me so this group you're with they were also mechanics and had gear and did they maintain your bike so you maintained it yourself unless you had something you couldn't fix and you could ask is i'm so, assuming so we had the two guides, one happened to work in a bike shop, but, and he was always will, willing to help, but they didn't have a ton of, we had to bring all our own spare parts. And usually, oh. um, John would help, but, and he loved to teach. And so we, you know, it was kind of a, a mutual effort, but if it was a really big job, you had to go to a bike store and, and okay. luckily Jackson, Wyoming has a bike store. Yeah. Pinedale, Wyoming has a bike store. Silver city has a bike, you know, there you go through Colorado too. Yes. Like steamboat, um, steamboat or Breckenridge. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Steve. Yeah. We were, we went in through Dillon to Breck over Breck and then up over the pa- uh, one of the big boreas pass there. Okay. So do you, do you take like a whole bin full of extra parts, like extra tires, extra chain rings, extra batteries? You, is that what everybody I, does? I had a, a bag that was maybe a foot and a half long by six inches high that I've put in my duffel. And I had I had extra rotors. I had extra um, through axles. I had extra spokes. Yeah. I had extra an extra tire. I had some extra sealant, which managed to explode in my bag. Which is—it's oh, no. just a nasty thing to have happen. When you're <laughs> changing altitude so much all over the place, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And, and the one thing I I did change out as I got to Jackson, Wyoming, was I was running a 38 in the front. So I, my yeah. smallest gear was a 38.52, okay, 38 <clears throat> oval in the front, and it was just too high. And so I got it was a 30, too big. Yes, it was too big. So I went to a 34. You went to a 34, which meant. 
get a takeout a link or two of your chain. I actually didn't, didn't have to. Right. Didn't Fantastic. have to. And the, so the bike store in Jackson, you know, I, I called them ahead of time because we do have self-coverage off yeah. and on. I just basically said, can you get? And they said, yes, I can. And they ordered it. And I showed up with my bike and I swapped it out. And it was the best decision. It, I would have really suffered in Colorado otherwise. Really, really suffered. Because <laughs> we were, you know, we had two passes that were close to 12,000 feet. And we had multiple... We were above 10,000 so often for all the way through Colorado and into into New Mexico. I, I followed along and there were there were days where you only rode like 25 miles because you were going up huge passes. And then other days where you would ride like 70 or 80 miles. Yes. Does that, that sound about right? Yeah, we had a couple super short days that were kind of just wonky route errors. Um, but on average, we were in the 40 to 50 range, but we went as high as 86 one day when we had to do a rain reroute going into Silver City. We had to push. We did a double day. That did you have a lot of rain <laughs> conditions? I mean, like... <laughs> yes. Just, I guess it's yes. So... It's August in... In Colorado, In yeah. Colorado. So it, just, in Colorado, every afternoon we had rain. Every and afternoon. every night, and we had these torrential thunderstorms. Oh, it man. was miserable. I have some video that just... It's, it's just insane. But luckily, we only rode in rain two or three times during the day. We had a couple of like misty Oregon type rain days, and yeah. then we had one where it just dumped, and it was. What were the temperatures like? Um, we got down to about freezing at night in some of the upper reaches of Colorado. Um, we had about a week and week and a half of 90, 85 to hundred degree weather, Oofed. and everything else was beautiful, like huh. very rideable in the sort of fifty-five to seventy-five range. Mm -hmm. We got so lucky, like even going through the basin, which is is known to being brutal. Road conditions, wind, heat. It was Can hot. it turn muddy in there? It can turn muddy in a second. But we they had freshly graded the roads, and it was dry, and the winds were good. We had an amazing basin experience. It was Where's the basin? It's basically running from Pinedale, Wyoming, down to Rollins. Rollins, Wyoming. Yeah, okay. so right as you get into Colorado. So it's that southern part of... Wyoming and it's it's just desolate rolling country that's sagebrush and oh I see it okay it, it, pronghorns and wild horses wow and the Great Divide yep. Basin the Great Divide called. Basin speaking of wild horses did you take like a collective list of or create a collective list of all the different animals you saw uh, to more or less we saw no we saw no bears which oh I, oh, I was which gonna is, ask yeah you know it, it's a pro and a con I would have loved to have seen a grizzly. I really didn't want to see a grizzly yeah. up close. Right, right. At one place we were at, we were at Doc's cabin and in Montana, and apparently there was a mama grizzly <coughs> with three cubs up on the hillside somewhere above us. We saw, you know, moose showed up multiple times. We saw a lot of pronghorns. Um, what is a pronghorn? It's a type of deer. Okay. Mm. I can remember seeing a Antelope. video that you posted in one of the videos on your new YouTube channel. We'll talk about that in a second of a bunch of, was that, that the was pronghorns? Yeah. That was in like, the basin. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you say elk? Yeah, there were elk. We heard a lot of elk bugling. I saw a badger. I was very excited about wow. my badger because badgers, I, I had no idea. They love to dig massive burrows in dirt roads. And so you'll be going along and all of a sudden you have a foot wide pothole that's yeah. about, you know, goes down forever. And these are badger burrows, apparently. And so okay. I, I saw a badger. And, you know, and a lot of um, sage grouse and, and just wild horses. Um, a few, we saw some buffalo, but those were mainly, you know, in in field, you know, already fenced in. 
we saw nothing going through Teton, which was really interesting because mm. normally mm. you see the bison herds and all of that, and we did not see them. So a lot, a fox or two, a lot less wildlife than we expected. But on the other hand, that's not a bad thing because no, we did have terrorist raccoons one night that literally got into terrorist raccoons. Oh yeah, I like that. This was, <laughs> yeah, this was in Del Norte, which is in New Mexico, and and we were camped this great campground. They came in and they took everything out of everyone's bags, every bit of food. Bags were <laughs> sideways, and we the first night we had terrorist deer that if you left anything out that was salty, that was gone and chewed on and spit out wow. a little ways away. <laughs> And it was just disgusting what they did to things. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, all in all, we had very little animal problems. But we had to be super careful with our food. So yeah. every night, you know, you would take anything with a scent, toothpaste, deodorant, food, what have you, out of your tent area, and we locked it up. Hmm. So um, there could be – you did not want anything, even, like, on your bike. You didn't want your any bag on your bike that had had food in it, you had to not have it near your tent because that's what a grizzly will come after. You don't want to be that person. Oh, and, you know, wow. I slept with bear spray in my tent too. Wow. That's kind of crazy. I mean, if you think about like going to do something like this, this ride and not knowing these little things, you get out there like a couple of days in and all of a sudden you're ransacked and all your stuff is gone and no wrecked kidding. and like uh, we're screwed but you probably knew all the stuff ahead of time you probably had seasoned people telling you not <laughs> we, to do these things at night and, yeah, yeah we we did but you still you learn a lot and i thought i was super prepared i mean i've, I've been i once i knew i got in i had about a two-month runway and i you know i thought all about it but still about a day and you realize i've brought so much of the wrong things i don't have the right clothes i have too many of this i have too much of that not enough of this and everybody was sending boxes of stuff home it was just <laughs> hysterical even the ones who had done this many many times you know trips like this yeah. but you know i had too much of certain types of clothing i ended up you know, I brought a couple of like jerseys and shorts and I was like, yeah, this is not working. Those went home. So I, I kept one pair of dialed bibs and I wore just t-shirts Yeah, mm -hmm. and a lot of sun shirts because the sun up high is oh, brutal. Yes. Yes. Sure. So you do a lot of thinking about like, how the heck do I keep this sun off of me? But it, that was interesting to me. It's like, oh, these shoes are wrong. So I ended up buying a pair of, of Tiva sandals somewhere, you know, and sending other things home and, and, and not enough. And nutrition was a challenge for me because I, I trained to sort of have food coming in all the time and that's not how we were supported. So I was constantly scrounging for drink mix and things mm -hmm. like that. So it's, it, it was, it's an, it was a real learning experience and I learned, I am so much more prepared for the next one. So much more prepared. Collectively, how many days was it? Um, we were gone from July 18th to September 18th. And I think the number of riding days was, I think 60 something. Wow. So how, what was the pacing like for like a rest day or an off day? About every eight days we had a rest day. Okay. Not, not that often. I mean, and, and we would go four or five days without a shower often, which was also sure. a new experience for me because normally you think about you do a workout and you're like <laughs> dripping yeah. nasty into the shower. And it's very different when you're touring because you're not going at, you know, all in pace, you're at an right. endurance pace. You, you will get sweaty, but you're not, con it's different. And you just kind of get used to that sort of like sweat having, and sunscreen and dust and you wipe and, it off and yeah. we had sponges and things like that, but it was a very different experience. And then those showers felt so good. And same with laundry. We didn't get laundry, you know, but every five, six days sometimes, and you just do it in the stream or whatever bucket and yeah. Make do or wear dirty clothes. It was amazing how dirty some of my clothes got. As far as 
charging stuff. You need to charge your your computers and your phones. My it's, GoPro. Your GoPro. So that my you drone. Can, right. All of that. All that stuff. Dude, I noticed, I know that like on the Tour Divide race, people have dynamo hubs on their wheels so that the movement mm-hmm. of the wheel will actually charge their stuff. I'm assuming with this type of thing, the support van has a way to charge things or how did that not, work? Not, well, we did. Um, I, everyone had battery packs and, you know, a good, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 block will charge quite a bit mm-hmm. of, sure. uh, cause you know, SRAM batteries and I happen to have the 1040 solar. So my Garmin hardly needed charging at all. I would just That's do it awesome. mostly as a preventative cause I didn't want it to ever Die midway, yeah. Um, but we did have one of those big solar panel battery bank things that blocks, you know, sort of big cubes, and we could use that. But we also, you know, when we we would be in um, RV parks and some and other things, and we, we'd be able to sneak some power somehow. Yeah. No one ran a dynamo. They didn't need it, but absolutely, if you're self-supporting, that you is like this, or a very, yeah, or like a, a super, you know, a 30,000 block or something like that you know whatever amp it is which is heavy heavy and with you guys you you could leave the block in the van yeah i always carried a small one because i just in case my phone or my because my phone was my backup navigation because i had every route downloaded on it but um just in case something died you know i never used it but i wouldn't go without it so you had every segment of every day already pre-downloaded. You mm-hmm. knew them inside and out. You probably studied them. I did. Ad nauseum. Yeah, that's I awesome. Did. And we had a map meeting every night yeah. too. Um, so ACA prints these beautiful maps of the of each segment of the route. And so we would go over the paper map for the day, which I never ever carried. It was ridiculous in my opinion. But we would talk about what are we going to get into and all of that sort of stuff, which was helpful as well. Yeah. And and these maps, people carry them when they're touring. You, everybody has the maps. It's it's really cool. They're beautiful. Gotcha. Sleeping. Yeah. How were the sleeping arrangements? It sounds like you might have been out in the middle of nowhere and you were in some tents. We, we provided our own. Okay. So I... Um, I have a bike packing, a Nemo bike packing tent, two person tent, and um, I bought a sort of one of those quilt based sleep systems with a thicker mattress because I could afford to carry a thicker mattress. And I, I'm old enough; I need a little more cushioning than. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so I, I actually slept really well, um, all things considered. You know, there you ha- you learned who snored and who didn't, mm-hmm. and um, you kind of just got you kind of figured out who you wanted to sleep near and. In our, and we slept in everything from literally bush, bush, bush camps where you're, you know, you're beating down cactuses and things like that <laughs> to beautiful campgrounds and beautiful RV parks. And then we would also, we had some hotels of varying quality, some that I will never, ever want to see ever again. But you know what? <laughs> it felt like a palace when you're in it, mm-hmm. but it might be a D minus kind of right. thing. It had hot water. It had hot water and the sheets looked almost clean. Uh, <laughs> and it was a, I'm going to camp on top of this. Exactly. <laughs> we also had some really nice ones too. Pitches but, are 10 on top of the bed. That's and, awesome. And you also had the option to kind of like buy your own hotel room too. Like they provided yeah. X number. And then I, I rented my own of quite a few times, you know, four or five times. And then we, at the KOAs we'd stay at, you could get a cabin and the women typically pitched in and got a cabin together. And we'd all kind of squeeze into one of those little tiny oh, yeah. KOA things, but it still was, you had air conditioning and that was, and you had a roof mm. over your head, which it, when it, you're in thunderstorms, that's huge. 
or if it's a hundred, you know, 95 degrees, yeah. both of those things are huge. Plus the ability to just like fully charge everything and yeah. dry, do laundry and all that good stuff. Scariest moment. The scary, well, we had a very scary moment. Um, I rode with two guys, um, and Tim and Corey, and they had, they actually had done, uh, Cross America, the Trans Am together a few years ago. We were in Montana just after we did Fleecer Ridge, and we were on a highway, and it was great. It, it, you know, shoulder and everything. Two Class A RVs decided to pass us in tandem. Oh my gosh! The second one could not see what was coming. Uh oh! There was a uh, one of those little sort of smaller jacked up pickup trucks coming towards the rv uh-huh. we couldn't see it either all of a sudden you saw this pickup truck off going off the road on the opposite side it cut across the pavement and started to lift so it was getting real close to rolling right at us oh my god and it we had there was no way we could do anything i dove for one ditch the guys kind of froze and we were on a highway so we did you know you have other cars coming young kid driving he held it together he kept it on the road on its wheels oh. and we live to tell the tale, but scared the crap out of us. Oh my isn't gosh. Isn't it crazy that one of your scariest moments of the whole thing was vehicle related? Right? It was. Uh, and, and we, um, you know, at, not long after that, we got to, um, Coulter Bay in Teton and we're going down the road there and there were a lot of cars passing others coming at us. And, you know, it was just terrifying because for, for the three of us in particular, you'd have a car passing into the on oncoming lane right at you and mm-hmm. you know we we're just like reliving that and we were all of us were just kind of <laughs> freaked out yeah. for the rest <laughs> of the ride moment, we, were, yeah. we were super super careful after you know just aware after that but that was that honestly was the scariest moment i had none that were my you know sort of me riding related yeah um we had some tough tough riding but it well, wasn't what was the longest climb the longest continuous climb that you had to do about 4,000 feet. That was going up over the 12,000 foot Indiana Pass. Wow. And it was, it was, you know, from eight to 12 or something. And it was just like, oh, <gasps> that's a little pitchy. It was, it was tough. Oh it was tough. 4,000. Yeah. You know, and we had a lot, we had multiple like 12 mile hills. We had one down in New Mexico where it was like going, you were, you had sand, you had loose rock and you had sort of like bed, bedrock, like lava bedrock. And you had to climb up over these ledges for 12 miles. It's actually my favorite climb of the whole thing, but it was, you, you had to be really creative and really technically confident to, oh, wow. you know, it's one of those where you have to like pop yourself up over stuff and just really hit the power and then balance it. It was fun. Cool. Um, you mentioned that you took uh, GoPros and a drone and I did. Did, tell us about all of the equipment that you took and, and what you did with it. Yeah. So I, I, I decided to take a DJI drone with me and a GoPro. I kept the GoPro on the on the uh, bike every day, all the time, okay. and, and just took film every day. Um, I pulled the drone out. I don't know, eight, probably eight or nine times. I was, you know, thoughtful about where I was trying to fly it and stuff like that. And part of it, was I was very new to drones, so I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the time I got to New Mexico, I was doing some. Re- I did some really cool footage, and I was really happy with it. My one regret is not slowing down and taking more. But you know, it's eh, at the time it was one of those things where you're trying to get to the other end and slowing yeah. down and, in the moment. Yep. And you don't want to inconvenience your, the people you're riding sure, with. Sure, sure. Although they did find it fun to get drone footage of themselves. So, so. Uh. <laughs> 
So I made some small videos while I was on the ride. It was a great thing to do on a rainy evening is just sit in your tent and play with the GoPro app and bring in footage and photos and all that. And uh, I'm still, I've got it all downloaded. I'm hoping to make a longer like by segment series mm -hmm. of videos that shows a little more of the the terrain, not these sort of three minute clips of a day or two. Right. I'm curious to know how many terabytes of media you have <laughs> between your images no and your video. Idea. It's probably I, pretty I nuts. I have no idea. My phone is overloaded. I've got to get all that footage off of there before I go to Central awesome. America. Now you have kind of already started like pulling some of that stuff together and you've put together, I think it was like five or six videos and you have them up on a YouTube channel. You want to tell us what the YouTube channel it's is called? Roads Like These. Okay. And it's a new channel that you just started mm -hmm. and you've got these videos and you can kind of get a, a sense for what it looks like. Um, I think most of them were just done with a music bed underneath them and you just showed a bunch of cool stuff. Yep. Will you do any narrating in the future ones? I'm planning to. Okay. I think I'll I'll do a, some voiceover on them, and I might even film some you know some separate intros if I have awesome. time to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to kind of talk talk about where I am and what I'm doing and all of that. And and these the ones I did, I did them literally on my phone in my tent, yeah. and versus doing it on you know iMovie or something sure, more sure. advanced. And I was actually really impressed with what you can do in the GoPro app. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I like I filmed when I was up on Lone Butte and. I may do a video of that. We'll we'll see, and I'll do a bunch a bunch more between now and the end of the year down in Central America. Cool. I, can't, I can't take the drone down there; they prohibit them in one of the countries I'll be in. But like altogether prohibit, or it'll be still it'll be taken from me. So I'm. I've like been, if they search, search your bag, they'll just take it from me. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm. I've been. <laughs> we've all been told no drones, okay. which is fine. I can take the GoPro, and that's that's good enough. Cool. Yeah. Right on. I I have a I I have a an uncomfortable question that I'm sure everybody is wondering. Yes. How much did it cost to go with a tour group like this for? It was two months. It was like ninety. So ninety five hundred bucks. So under something. ten grand for because yeah. you're that's you're pretty good. That's considering pretty good. how much time you're spending. Two I mean, months. That's a lot yeah. of time. Yeah, and and it covered all of our food yep. except when we went out. It um it covered the the eight eight nine nights in hotels that they book. Okay. It, um, and it didn't include any alcohol. They won't buy alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> had to buy our own beer. Um, you know, and any incidental food you want, you had to buy yourself and, you know, you could upgrade to different rooms and things like that. So I probably spent, you know, a thousand dollars more on stuff yeah. while I was out there. But, and of course, when we went out to brew pubs and pizza and all that kind of stuff, you but just by yourself, it, to me, it was worth it. That's because, way cheaper than I anticipated it being. Yeah. So that's great. No. And, and, and it's, it's meant to be in a quote i'll put it in quotes affordable it, it's not a cadillac tour this is yeah. you know this is at the low end of supported tours um but it, I, to me it was worth paying some extra money so that i had that you know just the security of knowing i'd get to the other end and i was less likely to be eaten by a bear and some yeah. other things like that you know having people to ride with because i don't have riding but really riding partners who can do things like this yeah my husband that's not his thing he'll show up in the rv and support me but this is not his thing yeah and so having others to ride with is just a safer way to do it and it, more fun too you know you get some camaraderie and all that oh kind of yeah stuff. i wouldn't I, it's not something i would want to do by myself at all it just seems like that's it's just not you know it's it, safe yeah definitely although there are so many people who do this right by themselves yeah, women I get that. And, you know young women through older pe you know older couples and things one of the fun things is the people you meet doing the route in the same direction yeah. you do you kind of move you know, you'll, you'll be with them for a few days. You'll be with them for a week. And we had one couple 
from a Dutch couple that we met about day four and we didn't say goodbye to them till Pie Town, which mm, is wow. like five, six days from the end. They, we did, it wasn't like we were riding together, but they'd show up at camp or they'd pass us or we'd pass them and we'd see them at a you know, restaurant. And it was so fun because we got to know them and we all celebrated it. At, in Pie Town, having pie together before they headed off to Las Vegas and to finish out their tour that they were doing. So that was one of the really interesting things mm-hmm. is these, you'd see the same people over and over again going your way. Did you guys do any karate in the garage? <laughs> what? what? Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh. You want to go do karate in the garage? <laughs> yep. I was like, we need reference for that because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Step brothers. <laughs> no, but we did crash the historical society in uh, Silver um, Silver City, New Mexico's uh, denim and diamonds ball together. Oh, oh there wow. you go. <laughs> we all bought so it was tickets. So a w- bit of a wedding crasher situation. We, we all tickets, so we didn't technically crash okay. it, but we definitely were not dressed at the same level they were at. <laughs> but like, they they that loved smell? it. Smell. <laughs> yeah, we were clean. Oh, so that's no fun. <laughs> so were you happy with the bike that you brought? Would Thrilled, you, absolutely. You would not change a thing. I'm. I would not change a thing. In fact, that's the bike I'm taking. Except for maybe the gearing you, that you adjusted I, I just during the gearing. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I'm. I'm taking the exact same setup with me yeah. to Central America. It's also weeks. what you're comfortable with too, right? I, mean, I love that bike. Yeah. it's a it's a Rodeo Labs Flanimal, which is a steel bike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 49 centimeter. I'm short, so it fits me with 650B wheels. I can I can Flanny. run it. Yeah, Flan, Flan the man. Um, you guys know Flanny well. But, you know, I can run 55 millimeter tires, which are huge yeah, tires for yeah. a gravel bike. And I can also run narrow, uh, you know, 30 millimeter tires if I want. And and it's fast enough and it's incredibly stable downhill. Do people, do people like look at like a couple, you know, a couple days in advance and be like, yeah, it's worth changing my tires for this next block of time? Or is, are people just like, you know what, it's... We, we all had one set of tires we rode. Yeah. I mean, there was one person who kept running through tires. So he changed his tires yeah. a fair amount because yeah. he didn't, he chose the supple casing and supple casing yeah. and the tour divide are, that's an oxymoron. Not, good. Not right. a good choice. Endurance casing all the way. No, most people rode the same because we were never on pavement more than a day or two. And then we'd be on who knows what. It's such a variable condition. Almost everyone was on what I would call a, almost a mountain bike tire mm-hmm. or a very, a knobby touring tire and people use mountain bikes too right I, most I mean, people I did yeah yeah there were a few grab we were probably i would say it's like two-thirds one-third right. mountain but hardtail mountain bike yeah and you know there were a lot of surlies a lot of surlies yeah. <laughs> yeah. one question i have for you that's going to lead into another question the first question what is one thing that you think you forgot or you know you forgot or you kicked yourself for forgetting oh let's see what? Were you so militaristic about your whole preparation process that well, you I brought pr- everything? I purchased, you know, I purchased stuff along the way. Um, Sandals. Yeah. No, the <laughs> one thing I, I, I ended up having to procure and, and realizing I needed was I needed an incredibly high level of electrolytes when we get into hot weather. No. I was just, it was killing me. So I ended up buying a bunch of LMNT, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, sodium through the roof kind of level. It's like 2,500 milligrams of sodium per serving. It, it's wow. it's yeah. huge. Um, and that was one thing I didn't really think about. And I, I now know, and it, it, what everyone started using it, you know, not every day, but after, if you'd been sweating like nonstop, you went through so much salt that you desperately needed it. Um, the other very, thing was a I'm pillowcase. A, I'm a very salty sweater as well. And so on hot days, that's what I use as well as element. It, it's amazing, but I didn't have a pillowcase. 
pillowcase. I had a camping pillow, but I yeah. didn't have a pillowcase. And so I ended up buying one halfway through. That was the one thing that really was huge, actually, <laughs> to have a pillowcase. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Uh, that makes sense. Sarah, I've known you for a few years now, and one thing I've come to know about you is that you're very thorough, you're very well thought out, and I am very curious to know what your preparation process looked like. I know that you aren't one to take anything lightly, and you're going to like be very methodical about it, and I think that your preparation process would be a good one to share with people so that they can kind of have an idea of what they should be thinking about or what their process should kind of feel like if they're going to do a big, crazy, you know, bucket list ride like this. Yeah. I touched on it earlier, which is, you know, know what you're getting into. I mean, that is one, I spent a lot of time looking at tour divide videos and, and I'm, you know, I, I kind of learned the route, kind of what, what kind of terrain we'd get into. I studied the GPS tracks once we got them, but I, I went through thinking of, you know, what, what did I need the bike to be able to do? What kind of backups did I need? You know, we, that hence the through axles and, and extra rotors. And did you a, break through axles? No, but you could lose them. Like, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, and I brought extra an extra chain. I brought a zillion brake pads. Yep. I I originally had a wax chain because I love wax chains, and I ended up mm -hmm. switching it in Helena because it was just I was going through wax constantly. I was constantly having to touch it up, and it was just not working. So, but I did have an extra chain, and so I I really thought through what parts could break in a place I couldn't fix them. Um, then I. I thought about really carefully, like, what do I want to carry on the bike and what can I, how can I carry things on the bike? Because with my suspension seat post, it kind of takes a rear uh, bag because I'm so yeah. short. Yeah. It, I, I have my Gar Varia radar light, which turned out to be the best light ever. Everyone wanted one by the end because they could see me a mile away. It was good. They're, they're very bright. <laughs> they're yeah. very bright. <laughs> but I couldn't wear, run a rear seat bag because of that, just because of the geometry of how that seat post works and, and the lack of clearance. So I had to really think about, well, how do I put a frame bag in and how do I, what do I put on my handlebars and how do I do all that? And what do I want on my back? Cause I knew I needed water capacity. Mm. And so I have one of the, um, us, we, the, mm -hmm. one of the, the more robust systems that you, that just, they just released a new bag that took that. Um, and then what clothing, because you have to think about the, the temperature ranges. We, you know, I, wore my down jacket almost every day through Colorado and upper New, New Mexico and a hat. And I had down pants along because, and I needed them one night. Um, but also, it, you know, it could be a hundred degrees. And so you had to have cycling gear that could go across that and rain. Yeah. And, but how do you bring the right things and not overpack? As I said, I did overpack, but I tried to think really carefully what could be multi-purpose. Yeah. That's tough. Cause <laughs> that's a long time to have, to have to deal with like a, a temperature range that's going to be like 70 degrees in difference. And mm -hmm. then knowing that you can only take so much and you've only got this probably small little section of space that you get to have in this van and then everything else is on you. You're yeah. like, all right, how do I cover all of these bases? Yeah. You, you think about what can have multiple purposes. Yeah. Um, and you, you get used to wearing two t-shirts, you know, you have two shirts, you have a pair, one pair of day shorts and you know it just kind of layers yep so you wore layers. water on your back water on my back and and more stuff on your back gear so. i i had my phone usually in yeah, and there. i had some okay. food and okay. then i had a, a pot so there's mostly. a there's a pouch where i'd put my lunch so yeah. all of my day food was in there and then i had two water mm. bottles in the inside the frame plus a little small frame bag and i had the capacity to add two water bottles on my fork mm -hmm. and then i had a a roll 
bar bag um, that I could fit under the kitchen sink handlebars because the way they're constructed, it limits your bag choices. Plus, my frame is small, yep. as I've yep. mentioned many times. Um, so that that was how I carried what I needed. And I, I'm switching up the cargo cages on the bike to so I can carry some uh, bigger water bottles going forward. And I'm because I'm again trying I'm about ready to leave on another trip. So so let me let me ask you something. What what would you say was like the the coolest experience you had or culminating experience or something that really sticks with you? Because I would imagine that there were there were epic views and there were fantastic roads and there was ridiculous weather and there was 60 straight days of riding. What, what would be, I don't know, what's an experience that you had that kind of had an impact on you? A couple of the exclamation marks, if you will. Yeah. 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 So the day we went into New Mexico, um, the three of us, all of us just looked at each other and said, this is the most amazing day we've ever had on the, and you know, every day is an amazing day, but it was, we, we started out and, you know, we climbed up this beautiful climb and then we went up high to, you know, 10, 11,000 feet. And we were up in sort of these alpine meadows with these big pine trees and you could just see forever. And it wasn't what we expected in New Mexico. Every one of us was like, New Mexico, cactus. Yeah. No, when you're up high, that's not at all what it is. Ponderosa pines. Yeah. Yeah. And they were so beautiful and the weather was perfect. And then we got into so many cows. There were so many cows on this trip. So many cows. Um, and you know, cow fields and all of that. And then we had this increasingly technical downhill into where camp was and it was it was a tough day but it wasn't ridiculous but there when we were up on top it was just like we all looked we never wanted to leave it was it was so it was just you know it's just kind of one of those days when you're on the bike and you're just like the world is perfect right now new mexico a place that you'd probably go back and do some rides yeah and we had to we had a weather issue little farther south right as we got south of pie town which is a infamous place on the tour sure because there's two restaurants that serve pie in pie town and the toaster (laughs) house um where we had to detour so we actually missed going into silver city coming up over those mountains we kind of skirted around on the on a paved road and i want to go back and do those two days because Mm. you're up high and and it looks like sisters but you're at eight thousand feet you know those wonderful lodgepole pines would you do that by yourself or would you find someone to go with um I would probably con my husband into there you, go. you know supporting me with the RV. Yeah, yeah. We have a a twenty two footer and it it can get most places and definitely would do that. And I mean the other place is Fleecer Ridge. I mean that is just so Where epic. Is that? It's in Colorado uh, or not? Sorry, Montana. It's very early in the tour um, and it's south of south of Butte, right outside of Butte. And this is like the first of the big moments as you're yeah. in the U.S. portion. There's a few up in Canada too, and you go up to about eight thousand feet. This gorgeous climb through the through the trees. You get up on top, and all of a sudden, again, you can see forever. And then you go down. It's like thirty percent. Nobody, <laughs> but a few very very talented people. And one of our guides rode it, but he had a bike with a mountain bike with the the brakes to handle it. The rest of us hiked it down, but it was just like one of those like. You, you just know you're on, you're, you just feel like you've made it on the tour when you've done that because it's so famous. Crazy. Uh-huh. What were the emotions, the feelings, and the thoughts when you got to the final destination, the very end, and you hit the uh, stop hit the on your Garmin for the very last time? Um, I was, I, you know, I was like, I was not ready to be done. I wanted this experience to continue, but 
it, it was bittersweet because um, we you become pretty close with sure. a bunch of the people on the ride. You know, you become really good friends with them. And to know that I probably wouldn't see many of them again. There's yeah. some in Seattle that I'll probably run across. Um, you guys all Strava buddies now? Yeah, Strava and Insta and all that. And we have a text chain still, several of us do. But, you know, it, it's sort of like you're torn because it's such an amazing experience. You've been so isolated away from your regular life. It This becomes your routine. And it's sort of a jarring like, oh, we're in a hotel. Oh, my God, I'm on an airplane. And then you get home and, and it just starts to fade away. So it, it's really it, it's just this mixed emotion of I don't want to say goodbye to you people. I want to keep riding. Yeah. But I do want to get home and I want to see my kids and I want to see my husband. Well, that's where the video comes into play. You can sit down and relive it and you can put something together that kind of speaks to you. And hopefully people can watch that and feel some of those feelings. And yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because Antelope Wells is so anticlimactic. It's just (laughs) you just go. You're riding on this piece of pavement through the desert and you get to the border wall. And that's kind of it. And there's (laughs) nothing else there. Yeah. Nothing. (laughs) Ah. So going back to the preparation process, just the quick bullet points of like, what would you suggest that people do? Are there YouTube channels or is there a place to go and yeah, resource? There, is there some like a resource that you like suggest people to follow or a channel that you think that people should? So what I would say if you're, you know, if you're trying website, to, maybe? yeah, bikepacking.com does some amazing, both they have a, a route guide, but mm-hmm. they also do the rigs of the tour race review. So they're like, that's a great place to see what do people take along what do they ride? What kind of tires? What kind of gear? And I stock that extensively kind of like, well, I know certain people like Lael rides these tires. Who else rides these tires? And what bags are they using? And are they using a suspension seat post? And I was like, oh, they are. And so that helps you from a, a bag perspective. And then really just thinking like what time of year are you going? If you're earlier in the year, it's going to be colder and nastier. If it's August, it's going to be rainy in Colorado. Thinking through kind of like what will you hit and how, how do you, how do you keep pulling things out without losing that functionality and being rock solid on your electronics? If you're going to, you know, your Garmin, if you're bringing, you know, whatever else you you like the 1040 solar. I do. I mean, the solar I think is probably, overrated because the 1040 has great battery life to begin with but it never failed me and of any garment i've ever owned and i've owned a lot jake knows i've owned just about every Mm -hmm. damn head unit there is (laughs) including hammerhead and wahoo i i'm very impressed with that one because it it, it's not done any of the normal malarkey that garment is so infamous historically for it it was rock solid it never failed me one and it, it was really good when i needed we had several times when our tracks were wrong whoever did the day-to-day tracks occasionally would send us into La La Land or across private land. And at one point, half our crew got chased off with people toting guns. We snuck through. Wow. I think we we were the ones that got them pissed off because we snuck through. Um, But I could reroute. You know, I can, you can back out, you can zoom out. And and I, because I do so much backcountry riding, I was able to like, okay, we need to be there. You know, we kind of, we could, we could detour pretty easily. So yeah, I would recommend the 1040 and I would, uh, the Varia radar light as well. So you guys got harassed by some uh, landowners? We did because we were sent over private land and they just didn't quite like us doing that. Hmm. And so multiple, and there were other times we'd come up to a gated, we're supposed to go through there and there's a gate and you're like, well, I guess we can't go through there and uh, over the hill and Dale and try and get yourself out of that. And you know, it's all good. It's all good. 
So I expect you to make a video too to kind of summarize all of this uh, preparatory work and yeah, what I was on my will. bike and what was in my bag. And yeah, I probably will. That would be awesome. Yeah, never carry sealant in your frame bag. Just it's it's a it's a rule from now on. Oh no! And uh, my frame bag is no more. Let's just put it that way. It, 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 <laughs> it was it unfixable. Was, it, was, it was waterproof. It's plugged. Right? Is and it plugged so, now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it busted in there. I didn't know it had busted because it was waterproof. But all waterproof. of a sudden, I opened it and it had been sitting for like three yeah. days, and it was full of sealant. My tools were all full of sealant. I, know. <laughs> I was just lucky that my extra SRAM battery was secured, <laughs> not gotten full of sealant. That was the only thing that I saved out of that. So anyway. It's all good. Anything else that you would like to tell us about the Great Divide MTB Trail? Do it. Just do it, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, we're all, a bunch of us are planning to go do the Canada section because we didn't get to do that. And I want to finish it off. I mean, I'd go tomorrow if I could go ride that. And I would I would definitely do it again. I mean, it it's hard. It's, you know, all of those things. But it's so – it's it, it's seeing the world in a different way and places you would never yeah. get to and seeing this diversity of what America has and the Rockies are just, I mean, it's stunning yeah. it is, it, in a way that you don't see in a car. You can, you know, you just don't. And, um, going, traveling by the speed of bike as everyone here knows is, is a different way to experience something than, sure. than doing it on a motorcycle or on a car. Gotcha. Now you're embarking on another big adventure. <laughs> Give us the quick, yeah. down and dirty on this guy so i'm um i'm doing another tour the route maya um with the tda cycling which is the crew that originated the tour de afrique um which is and they specialize in cross-continent tours so i leave um we start riding november 4th and we start in costa rica and we work our way all the way through central america to tulum so i'll be back right before christmas are you wow. worried about that at all i mean no no not we're staying in hotels okay. first of all I've been injected up in more ways than I ever want to be. So, you know, if a rabid dog comes at me, I'm, I'm probably okay. I'm good. I got this. Yeah. Um, I've yellow fever, you name it. I'm, I'm getting through. Um, we're staying in hotels. So that's one thing. Um, and they know the area they special. I mean, if they can take people through Africa, I think they can get us through Central America. All right. Um, but we, it is not a paved tour. It's going to be gravel. It's going to have way more climbing, I think, per day than what I just did. Wow. We have a, hundred, a, a day that has 10,000 feet of climbing over 62 miles. Oof. That'll be fun. Um, but, we, you know, the average of like 4,500 feet a day. Yeah. Um, I did a mountain bike race once that was 58 miles and 12,000 feet of elevation. Well, just shy of 12,000 feet. Of, yeah. That's a big day on the bike. Enjoy that. I, yeah. I, yeah. I've done. I've done stuff like this before but you know it's it's rough roads it's gonna you know it won't be smooth pavement it'll get easier as we get closer to tulum but the first you know half two-thirds of it i think will be quite chunky and fun yeah. are you prepped packed and ready to go mostly eh. um ish <laughs> well ish yeah i mean the bike is more or less ready to go i've had it tuned up and all of that and i know what gear i need the challenges we're leaving i i'm helping my husband drive to tucson on sun we leave sunday and i'll be back two days before i leave so i've kind of got a big pile of shit I've thrown together uh -huh. and I'm squeezing in injections and all that. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm ready enough and I'll, I'll get it pulled together and, and I don't have to worry about camping gear. This, I, I have a one duffel limit on this trip. And so it's really again, It's going to be that refinement. I mean, I have a big pile that pile's got to get cut down. Yeah. And again, I mean, I will bring a down jacket because we do yeah. get up to 6,000, 7,000 feet. Who knows? But it'll also be 85 degrees a lot and humid. And uh -huh. so I have to really think through 
dry riding versus humid riding. Mm -hmm. I, we don't train for heavy, humid riding no. in here. And no. like what I just did, there was really no humidity at all. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm probably changing up a little bit of what I'm bringing, but again, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be buggy. It's going to be all of those. Things. How long did you say that this route was? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it, it's, I think a little less than what I just did. And I, could look it up but but it's still like 50 six days it's, it's six, six, weeks. six weeks or yeah. something we have a few more rest days but we do more riding per day riding day okay so you know every time we get to a cool population center we have a time a day, a day off. off yeah which is good and bad because you know when you take a day off your body then says <laughs> yes <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the next day and so it'll be a little more of getting over that but uh, well, so that's a good question on your off days your rest days did you still go out for a little spin to kind of keep the legs we walked loose? a lot okay mostly walked i mean occasionally i'd get on the bike but mostly we you were doing bike maintenance laundry you know kind maybe of, some sightseeing maybe some sightseeing um but i usually walked you know five to ten miles at any given rest day just because i was going places and i did not want to get on my bike what time did you guys typically start your rides um we would start anywhere from like 6.30 to 8. Um, typically, it was around 8 o'clock. We, we had a schedule of coffee at 6.45, breakfast at 7, and then you'd have to and make your lunch, and then you'd clean up. And we'd sort of trickle out in our, in our riding groups. Mm -hmm. um, we were usually one of the last ones out because we were helping to clean up or whatever, and we, we were fine with that because we knew we'd get to the other end. But gotcha. You probably already mentioned this, but how many people were in your total caravan? We had... 13 plus two, two That's guides. Right, you said that. okay. and, and by the end, it was, it was eight, eight what you said. and okay. two guides. So one person drove, one person rode of gotcha. the guides. All right. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Boys, any other questions for her? think that's it i've got to rock out here soon all right well then it's perfect timing let's jump into one last thing matt you want to go first um i think last week we i think the last video that i talked or put up on youtube was talking about the zwift hub one trainer i think that is correct the next video is talking about swimming with the apple watch and apple watches in general right, so. that's coming out this week should come out tomorrow. Oh, if I can get my button gear, we'll see. I've got some meetings and stuff like that, but cool. That's the plan. Right on, Lance. You got one last thing? Um, there's the second race in the Cyclocross Crusade series happening this Sunday. It is at the PIR infield, which is the same area where Trophy Cup was, but it will be a very different course and a different experience than Trophy Cup. So that's what we got coming up. That's what I know. What's the weather supposed to be like? Um, there's a possibility of rain on Sunday, but we're supposed to be dry all week. Yeah. So it could just be greasy if there's a little bit of rain. But should it's be a not fast gonna, course, though. Yeah, it should be a fast course. And you'll be out there. I'll be out there. Sweet. Sarah, you got one last thing for us? Um, I guess I would just say if you want to see what I'm doing, um, you can follow my YouTube channel. I will post things up during that or my Instagram. Give um, us that one more time. Uh, Roads like this is my uh, YouTube, and it's Sarah Gates01 is my Insta. It's roads like these. These, sorry. These, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I, I want to make sure they get that right. Yeah, and I... <laughs> why I say this instead of these, you know. Roads like these. these. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, my one last thing is we have a, a cool little thing that we're going to be pushing out to the whole cycling community that um, even the podcast listeners can jump onto. Uh, we've been using with pretty great success an app called Slack, which a lot of people are familiar with, and we've been using that to manage our team and... We've been doing that now for, what, about a year and a half or yep. so? And it's been fantastic. And we've had a lot of people that have asked if they could join that. We've had a lot of people want to be a part of that. And we have 
pretty much had to say no to a lot of people because it's pretty much for people who are on the team. So we have created a new Slack workspace for just dialed cycling, and we are going to be rolling that out. We've kind of already soft launched it. We're doing some like little like testing it, if you, things, if you will, just to make sure that it's going to be nice and smooth and have all the, the appropriate channels. But uh, we're going to be pushing that out to the world, and anybody who would like to join that can come on in, and it'll be a, a, there'll be a podcast channel in there as well that we can oh, have cool. people that can interact with us and send us questions and send us videos and tell us how much we suck. Um, there will be stuff in there where people can talk about rides, and we'll do ride announcements for the local people, and then there'll be stuff for people all over the country. It'll just be a, a great little community for people to be a part of, and it should be a lot of fun. So look for that. We're going to be pushing it out on to pretty much everything like all of our social medias we'll push it out on strava and emails and all of the place so should be fun cool cool all right i think that is it for this week we will be back next week with another one until then bye for now Go home, sugar bear. Go home.